Greetings, everyone. I trust that you are enjoying this series called The Praying Church, as I am. And uh, last week, we began to discuss the concept of having extended times of prayer. And we're going to continue with that same theme this week. Last week, I shared with you that the starting point is really facing yourself, facing yourself. And this involves self-assessment and having a sober view of your prayer life. You know, one of the keys to being successful in life is actually looking at yourself and doing a current reality assessment, current reality assessment. I also mentioned the importance of being absolutely persuaded that prayer makes a difference. This is one of the key ingredients if you want to grow in extending your times of prayer. And then we went on to talk about how prayer is often initially a discipline, isn't it? And then it goes from discipline to desire to delight. And you find yourself delighting in it and praying way more than the stipulated time that you had as a goal. I also went on to talk a bit about how prayer is not something that's extreme or weird, especially when you're going to extended times of prayer, but that we actually see it in scripture. We uh, spoke about the example of Jesus, spoke about the example of Anna, the prophetess, who just literally spent her whole life in prayer in the temple. We also examined how we can be inspired by prayer in the lives of people in church history. And I specifically gave you the example of Count Zinzendorf, uh, who did amazing things uh, in that Moravian Falls area. And then also we spoke about David Brennard and what he did with the Native American Indians. And so we can be inspired by all these people in history. And today we're going to continue with this same theme as I share with you 10 more ingredients that will help you to extend your prayer times. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're imparting to us. And we continue to ask you for this grace, for supplication, for intercession, for the watchman anointing. We pray, Father, that prayer would be activated in every household that is listening to this message. We open our hearts to you and we say, please keep teaching us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to continue and uh, I'm looking at point number seven now because we dealt with six uh, last week. Set up exclusive daily appointments with God. This is so important. Make appointments with God. And this is something that I found so useful in my life. It's where you actually feel that God is anticipating that appointment and you don't want to let him down, right? So start off your day with God in prayer. I used to think it was acceptable to just have a prayer life where I talk to God throughout the day. And it's important talking to God throughout the day, but there needs to be that time set aside for him where you're focused and concentrating just on him, right? Make sure that you have exclusive time with God where you're not actually being disturbed. And it's useful doing this in the morning, okay? Making sure that a large portion of your prayer time is spent in the morning before your day actually starts, all right? Because otherwise it's too late. It's too late when you're experiencing the attacks, when you're experiencing the trials and tribulations, but you haven't prayed. And then now you're doing these shotgun prayers that could, where situations that could have been averted 
if you had started your day off with God. It's important that we give God our best time, not just our leftovers. You know, sometimes we've got this thing where we pray only when we're tired, when we've done everything. Now we're like, we, 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 we're praying. No, give God your best. In Matthew 6, verses 5 through to 8, it says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. That's to do with motive, right? Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. What is that reward? Well, being seen. So if your motive for prayer is the accolades you're going to receive, that's the reward you've chosen, that you'd rather get honor from people, glory from people, instead of glory from God. It says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, some translations say your father who is in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Now here we're talking about extended times of prayer, but we're not talking about babbling. We're not talking about wasting words and just, you know, saying anything and just trying to, you know, be a nice sound. No, right? Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This is so crucial. All right. This exclusive time with God means that you must be firm when it comes to distractions. Switch off your phone. The sky won't fall. Pick the best time of day to do this. If you've got wandering thoughts or you remember something that you need to do, then just write it down. And this is why it's useful to actually have a notepad with you where you can just jot down thoughts that are coming to you. But you want to have that exclusive time with the Lord. Whatever time works best for you, but it's important that a portion of this is actually in the morning so that you're praying for your day. Number eight, be creative in finding pockets of time to pray throughout the day. You see, once you have this exclusive time with the Lord, typically in the morning, right? Once that's a foundation for you, then you can trust God for pockets of time during the day to also be praying. Your praying doesn't have to be limited to a single time during the course of the day. There are many pockets of potential prayer times that we can actually have throughout the day. For example, we know that Daniel prayed three times a day. He continued doing this despite persecution, right? That's why he was persecuted. That's why he was thrown into the lion's den. But it says that he prayed three times a day, right? David appears to have done so also in Psalm 55 verses 16 through to 17 says, as for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me evening, morning and noon. I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. In addition to your early morning time of prayer, here are some spaces that you can also use for prayer. And I want to give you some ideas in terms of this because very often we'll say, okay, you're now praying X number of hours per day. And people think that it's all in one go, but it's not necessarily all in one go. It's about having the exclusive time, which is really important, but then finding other pockets throughout the day to pray. For example, nursing mothers feeding a baby. That can be your time of prayer. If you think of Susanna Wesley, for example, right? She was such a great example of a praying mother who taught her sons to pray, right? Crucial. I've been in a situation where um, we had family over 
and my nephew, uh, Joshua, little Joshua was still a little baby at the time. And I thought, you know what, let me just relieve his parents, um, you know, of this particular duty for some time. And I took him and I was putting him to sleep. And that was actually a time of prayer for me. And that was a good 45 minutes, just walking around with little Joshua, uh, lying down with him and putting him to sleep. Parents were blessed in the process, but for me, it was a time of prayer, right? Um, So this thing of saying, oh, I've got kids, therefore I can't pray. No, you can actually double up your time. You know, you're a nursing mom, you're putting your baby to sleep. That's prayer time. You don't have to see it as a waste of time. Praying in the spirit when traveling long distances, that can be very useful. You've got an eight-hour trip somewhere, you're stuck in traffic, um, you, you, you travel quite a bit in your vehicle, you're praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. You're not seeing traffic as a waste of time, right? Uh, and, when I, and I say praying in the Spirit because your mind can be active in terms of you are concentrating on the road, hopefully, but your spirit is being edified as you pray in the Spirit, waiting in a queue, That's one of the things I love about cues. It's prayer time for me, right? Waiting for your children to start a match. Very often with our kids, if we're taking them to matches, let's say on a Saturday, we have to go quite a bit earlier so that they have their warm-up and so on. And I say to the boys, go, I'll stay in the car, and that's prayer time for me, right? Um, That 45 minutes while they're warming up, doing whatever they're doing, it's more prayer time for me. You can go for a prayer walk. You're exercising, but at the same time, you're also praying whilst washing dishes. So when you're doing certain mindless tasks, it can be a time for you to be praying, typically praying in the spirit. Uh, Whilst at a car wash, waiting for your vehicle. I mean, the examples are endless, but try to find spaces throughout the day where you're praying. A good example of this is Brother Lawrence. Okay, Lawrence was a monk who uh, washed dishes and cooked meals and tried to pray without ceasing. The Bible says pray without ceasing, right? He became so famous for his habit that someone actually interviewed him and published a little book called uh, The Practice of the Presence of God, popular book. The book hasn't been out of print in over 300 years and over 20 million copies in English alone right, have been printed. I think that's amazing. So Lawrence believed that it was actually easy to be close to God in prayer. And if you didn't wander far off from him uh, for the rest of the day, okay, you end up very close to him. And there's a guy called Jared who talks about how he discovered Lawrence's home after many months of research and the impact of his simple prayer philosophy uh, has helped so many people to constantly commune with Christ. This is so important. So you have that that special exclusive time with the Lord, but you also make sure that you are practicing his presence throughout the day. The ninth thing I want to share with you is pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit. Okay. There are a lot of activities throughout the day that are fairly mindless and prayer can be done whilst doing these things. Praying in the spirit is particularly useful during these times. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 14 through to 15, it says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What then shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit 
but I'll also sing with my mind. I found that if I've been praying extensively in the spirit, praying in other tongues for some time, when I then start praying in English, my prayer in English is more accurate than it would ordinarily be, okay? Because it becomes a more, more of a spirit-led, uh, spirit-propelled prayer. In Romans 8, verse 26 to 27, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So one of the ways of knowing that you're praying according to God's will is praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, praying under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And I believe it's so powerful. I remember a friend sharing uh, with me how... uh, he was in traffic in Lagos, Nigeria, and you know the traffic there is, is quite hectic. And he found himself driving alongside a well-known pastor, I won't mention the name, and he said he was something like three hours in traffic next to this particular guy, and he said, you know what, I noticed that he was praying in tongues throughout this time, okay? So there, this man of God was putting this thing I'm talking about into practice. Of course, with my friend, I asked, you know, like, how did you know he was praying in tongues? He says, you could tell he was praying in tongues, you know. I'm thinking, what if he was on his phone? What if he was doing something else? But no, he was probably praying in tongues. And that's what I also do. You can spend hours in your vehicle, in traffic, praying in the Spirit. So, so useful. You know, when you show God your desire to pray, he helps you to actually find space and time. That's what I've noticed. When I say, God, I want to pray this many hours today. I want to pray in this particular way today. He actually helps me to find space to do so. This is so crucial. So crucial. The 10th thing I want to share with you is that uh, it's important to schedule space and time for corporate prayer meetings for corporate prayer meetings. More recently, I've begun to include the corporate prayer time when I'm actually adding up the time spent in prayer. In the past, I used to just say this was my individual time with the Lord and it didn't matter how many other prayer me- how many prayer meetings I went to, I didn't include that, but I now include those corporate uh, times of prayer. And um, on days when I've intended to pray, for example, for six hours, that um, it actually helps me to know that there are two church prayer meetings that I can actually attend. So, for example, on Wednesdays or on um, Fridays, right? Uh, so, for example, today I'm doing this recording uh, on a Wednesday, right? I've already prayed today four hours, right? 4 a.m. we had a prayer meeting. Then after that, I've prayed three hours by myself. I'm going to try and make it for the 12th noon prayer meeting. That'll be the fifth hour of prayer that I would have done, okay? And then I'll find another time, another hour in the course of the day to also pray. I've chosen Wednesday to be my six-hour day for this particular week. It's usually Fridays, but this week it's going to be today, Wednesday, right? And uh, because I knew that it's an easiest day for me, I've just got a couple of coaching sessions, a few errands to do, but it's not a hectic day for me. Friday is going to be a, a lot busier, all right? So you can actually do that where you count in your corporate prayer times. It can be quite useful, all right? Um, <clears throat> On days like Monday, where I pray for at least three hours a day, but I attend two prayer meetings on that day. I've got the Monday 4 a.m. one, and I've got the Monday 7 p.m. one, right? I only need to then pray by myself for an additional hour, 
right? To make up the three hours. But usually that's too little time for me to then cover my individual stuff. So I end up praying more for more, for three and a half hours or maybe four hours on that particular day. So it's useful when you've also got corporate prayer meetings that are taking place, okay? So please remember that corporate prayer was never meant to replace individual prayer. So if you're only praying one hour a day, make sure that that's not the one hour that you're doing corporate prayer. There needs to also be individual time of prayer because where do you cover your individual things that you can't pray corporately, right? Um, So make sure that you're also praying outside of the prayer meetings that you attend. In Acts chapter 16, verse 13, it says, On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. Okay, so we can see when he was there, uh, Paul in Lydda, that's what they did. They were expecting to find a place of prayer and they were in a group. What are the places designated for corporate prayer in your life? Just think about that. What are those spaces for corporate prayer in your life? There's certain things that only happen when you're in agreement with your brothers and sisters in corporate prayer. Is it possible for you to adjust your lunchtime at work? so that you can actually join a prayer meeting at noon. Just think about that. Is it possible for you to adjust your lunch break? You know, some people say, oh, those 12 noon prayer meetings, they don't work for me. But in the same way that you schedule time for a business meeting, can you not adjust your lunch break, for example, so that you actually attend that 12 noon prayer? In our church, I think we've now got about 11 different prayer meetings uh, each week. Okay, so there are a lot of options for people. We've now got 4 a.m. ones. We've got a 12 midnight one, all right? So people can't say, I can't come to prayer because um, I've got work meetings. Work meetings at 12 midnight, work meetings at 4 a.m. No, find a space to pray, right? The 11th thing I want to share with you is get information with regards to your prayer themes. This is so important. This is so important. You know, Nehemiah had questioned people first before interceding. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, in the province, and they're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burnt with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So we see that Nehemiah first investigated. He first questioned people. He also examined the wall before rebuilding. Remember that part of being a watchman is building walls. And he examined the walls. In Nehemiah 2, verses 11 through to 18, he says, I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. 
Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burnt with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of of uh, my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. This is so important. He examined before he started building. Being a watchman is about rebuilding. And sometimes before we start calling others to come and watch with us, we need to study what the issue is. You see, get into the habit of studying the areas in which you are called to be a watchman. It actually gives you more fodder as you pray. You know, Pastor Vim, for example, can pray for extended periods over the situation in Ukraine. Because she has studied it and she's listened to sermons on it and she's been to prayer meetings with regards to it. So if you get into the habit of deciding the night before what you are going to actually pray for in the morning, you can actually list the specifics of your prayer beforehand and you can also carry out some research. It's better to do this type of preparation and then pray more effectively than praying amiss due to your ignorance. My wife is very good at getting people to be prepared before our prayer meetings. And she'll say, please, can you use some of these scriptures to pray? Please, can you do some research on this particular topic and come with your own scriptures and we will pray? So let's make sure we also use our mind when it comes to praying instead of just saying, I'll just flow. We'll just see whatever comes up. You know, being in relationship with people is not and not isolated from people will actually help you to understand their life situation. So you can also investigate about what people are going through. Yes, sometimes we'll just pray in the spirit over people, but it's so useful to know details about people's lives. You know, I gave this example in the Centurion Church last week where I began to pray for the Manyungas and I said, Lord, please help Tendai in this situation. Lord, thank you for the recovery that uh, Miriro is experiencing after op. Father, we thank you for what's happening in Ano's life. Help him as he studies and help him to concentrate and so on. Lord, help Chico uh, while she's studying at Rhodes. And Lord, you know what she really wants to study. May you do this and this and this. Father, be with Maka. I could pray in detail for them, which extends the time of prayer for them. Why? Because I'm aware of some of the details in their lives. It's important to not be relationally isolated. You know, a lot of times people are like, I'm a praying person. I'm a praying person. I don't talk to anyone. I'm just a praying person. That's fine. But when you're connected with people, you tend to have more compassion for them and you tend to actually know where they're at. You see, so intercessors are actually more effective when they're part of a community. Find out their children's names and pray for them, you know, by name, where you actually know, okay, this is Juan, this is Cindy, Uh, their children are Jaden, their other child is Shamir, their other child, their firstborn is Siobhan, and learn how to spell Siobhan because it's spelled in a funky way. But it's, it's like that. Get into people's lives. Get immersed in their lives. Find out the details about the different power centers that you are praying for. What are the current affairs uh, that, that, that are go- they, the particular power center is actually uh, facing right now? What are the current issues that they're facing right now? 
Someone asked me recently, what do you pray about when you pray for many hours? If someone prays for seven hours, what do they actually pray about? Let me tell you something. When you carry people in your heart and you're aware of the details of their lives, it actually takes a while to pray through these things. And sometimes you literally have to chunk people into categories where you know. I know, for, for example, Friday is the day when I pay, pray for my friends. And I don't have just a few friends. I have quite a number of friends in ministry who've got lots of needs right now. Okay, But I'll have another day where I'm praying for my family, my extended family, my siblings, their children and their situations. All right. Uh, There'll be another day where I might be praying specifically for the people in our church and church leadership and so on. Right. Now, some of the information that you need in prayer may actually include looking at the calendar of meetings that you have on that particular day and praying specifically into your calendar in detail, right? Um, So you literally take the agenda items for each meeting you're going to have and you pray over each one. As a speaker, I often go through my sermon points or my PowerPoints for presentations I'm giving in the corporate world and I actually pray those particular things into my audience. Now, this takes time to do. It's a busy day where I'm doing maybe a full day seminar, but I need to spend time praying through the topic and saying, may this land, may this land. Then I'm blown away, but it's not a surprise when I'm in the sessions and I see God's hand and I see how God starts ministering to people, right? Now, if you have this kind of practice, you can't be praying for only 15 minutes, Okay, it's actually not enough time unless you speak and fast forward or something. It's not enough time to pray effectively through the details of your day. And let me say something to you. When you are detailed in your prayer, you tend to get more results than when you just say, Lord, bless my day. Lord, bless all my meetings. Okay, Uh, there's a greater level of faith very often when you're specific in your requests. And that's what a petition is. It's a specific request. So I encourage you to do the research, to study, to get more information about what you're actually praying about. The 12th thing I want to share with you is practice prevailing prayer. Practice prevailing prayer. So involve your whole being in prayer for people. Keep praying until you've reached your goal, right? That goal for the prayer. Don't stop praying. Pray until something happens. Okay, push. That's how I see prevailing prayer. You pray until something happens. It's the acronym PUSH. See, are there prayer requests you need to revisit because you have not yet pushed through to breakthrough? Just think about that. You will tend to find yourself continuously praying about certain things that you were praying about yesterday, that you were praying about last month, right? Until there's breakthrough. That gives you more fodder to pray for. In Galatians 4.19, Paul the Apostle says, Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I'm going to do a teaching in a few weeks on how to pray for your disciples. And this is one of the ways of praying. You involve your whole body in prayer. It's as if you're groaning. It's as if it's, it's, you're having birth pains, right? And... You continue until Christ is formed in the other person. It's prevailing prayer. And prayer like this tends to extend your times of prayer, doesn't it? This is where you push in the spirit. It might involve groans from the Holy Spirit as you are birthing something in the spirit. 
I was praying for a particular couple recently and I found that as I opened myself to this, I was actually at their house. I said, I want to pray for you guys, but I want to go into one of the rooms. You guys can carry on with whatever you're doing. And as I opened myself to this, to the emotion of it, a new tongue came to me, a tongue I'd never prayed with before. And I also found myself groaning. I had to control myself. I had to close the windows. I didn't want too many people to be hearing me. And then after that, the glory of God then came upon me and I found myself shaking. And this, this, when this happens, uh, you know that God is doing something, right? And it happens as I allow God to take over my prayer. In James 5 verse 16b in the Amplified, it says, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man, prevailing prayer of a righteous man, makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. I'm telling you right now, this type of prayer releases great power. At some stage, I'll be preaching on uh, different levels of glory when it comes to praying, how you can go to new dimensions, new dimensions of His glory, and what are the things you can do that activate that. I like the example of George Muller. George Muller was a legendary prayer warrior. According to his autobiography, he had over 5,000 requests answered on the day he prayed them, on the same day right, that he prayed them. Right? Muller started 117 schools and ran a group of orphanages in England that took care of over 10,000 boys. He retired in inverted commas at the age of 70 and became a traveling evangelist, logging over 200,000 before the days of planes. Muller had five friends who were far from Christ and he committed to pray for them every day until they were part of God's family. That's prevailing prayer. After a few months, the first man came to Christ. Within 10 years, two more had come to faith. After 25 years, the fourth man was saved. But the fifth man was a holdout. So Muller continued to pray for him every single day. For 63 years and eight months, Muller eventually died. And before his coffin was placed in the soil, his fifth friend committed his life to Jesus. Right? Amazing takeaways from this, isn't it? Right? This is prevailing prayer. It's gutting it out. It's long-term commitment to doing the hard work of moving the hand of God by prayer alone. Are you committed to praying into certain situations long-term? You will see the results. You will see the results. There are certain things I've been crying out to God for for years. Certain things I've been crying out, and I'm going to keep crying out to God. I'm absolutely persuaded that they will come to pass. The 13th thing I want to share with you that will help you to extend your times of prayer is make a commitment to carry God's burdens. You see, praying through a burden from the Lord makes prayer a lot easier, doesn't it? We can only do this when we lay down our own burdens at His feet. Okay, Psalm 55 verse 22, cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. I want to encourage you. God is looking for people right now who can carry his burdens and then pray through the burden of the Lord. But if we are still carrying our own burdens, we disqualify ourselves from carrying his burden. Open your heart so that you're in a space where you can carry his burden and watch what happens. It will make your prayer life easier and it will help you 
to actually flow in prayer because you know you're praying His will, because you're carrying something that has come from Him. You see, when we talk about prayer, we're not just talking now about personal devotions. You know, sometimes the language people use around what I'm talking about is like, it's like our personal devotions. No, this is beyond that. This is laboring in the spirit. This is the work of prayer. This is laboring on behalf of nations. This is standing in the gap on behalf of church people, on behalf of the unsaved. It's crying out to God. This is beyond just your personal quiet time where you're feeding yourself. The 14th thing I want to share with you that will take your prayer times to another level, specifically when it comes to the duration of your time of of prayer. Make use of crafted prayers. A crafted prayer is a prayer that has already been written out either by yourself or by someone else. It's typically well thought through based on God's agenda for the recipient. So you can write out a, a prayer for your father, for your mother, for your children, for your spouse, right? Um, And it's powerful when you can do this. Now, there are different forms of crafted prayers. For example, you can actually access various prayers that are recorded in Scripture and make them your prayers. You can also work through specific passages of Scripture. For example, uh, if you look at the Psalms, if you look at Isaiah, and you convert them into your own prayers. Sometimes after praying powerfully over someone, you might want to actually write out what you prayed and then continue to use that prayer that you've already crafted on a different occasion when you might not be feeling the unction to pray for that particular person or when you run out of words. There are times when we go into prayer and we're kind of feeling tired, we've run out of words and it's great when you've got a tool that you can actually use. The power of crafted prayers is that you have something to pray even when you've run out of words on that particular day. Fact of the matter is we don't always have the words. We don't always have the words. On other occasions, we just don't feel that inspired. The Psalms are so powerful when you are creating crafted prayers to do with praise and thanksgiving, aren't they? Right? I've also found it useful using lyrics from great worship songs and declaring them to God. There are times when you need to simply praise and not always petition. So you can use worship songs for that. Some of the apostolic prayers that we see in the epistles are so powerful as crafted prayers when you're praying for your disciples. For example, Ephesians 1.17, when you're praying for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Ephesians 3.16 and Colossians 1.11, for strengthening with might in the inner being. When you're praying for love to abound, you can use Philippians 1 verse 9 or 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 12. When you're praying for the knowledge of God's will for someone, Colossians 1 verse 9. When you're praying that the word of the Lord will run swiftly and rapidly spread, powerfully taking hold of people, you can use 2 Thessalonians 3 um, verse 1. When you're praying uh, that God is glorified and you want to pray for uh, unity, for joy, for peace, for hope, you can use Romans 15, 5 to 16 verse 13 also. When you're praying that people preach with boldness and with power, you can use Acts 4, 29 to 30. Okay? I sometimes use my book. Uh, I've got a book called Crafted Prayers, Declarations and Decrees. And in that, I've actually uh, crafted various prayers. Prayers for teamwork. Prayers for selling. Prayers for your relationship with your customers. Prayers uh, as a parent. Prayers for your marriage. Um, we've now done a second edition where we've included healing prayers for specific types of uh, sicknesses. 
Okay? And sometimes it's just useful sitting down in pr- when you're praying and being able to use those for your prayers. But crafted praying, very powerful. Very powerful. The 15th ingredient I want to share with you is develop standing agenda items for your daily prayer. Develop standing agenda items for your daily prayer. This means that you have specific days for praying into certain things. Okay, And this type of structure actually helps you to ensure that you don't spend many months not having prayed for important aspects of your life. You see, um, and you can actually find yourself still praying into additional things on that particular day, but just have days dedicated for certain things. I know that on Mondays, it's dedicated to praying for my marriage, for example. Tuesday, I'm praying for my children. Okay, Wednesdays, we are praying for our siblings, their children, our parents, right? So we've got specific prayer items for specific days. But then, of course, over and above that, as God convicts us about things, brings up things, then we also pray into that. Okay, so it's one of the reasons why I end up praying for extended periods, because There are things I need to pray through that have happened today or that are pertinent for today. But in addition to that, I've got my standing agenda items. For many years in our households, we've actually, in our household, ours in particular, we have specific prayer items for specific days. So I say to you, Monday, marriage. Tuesday, our children. Wednesday, our parents and our siblings and their families. Thursday, our ministries and our careers. Friday, our friends. Saturday, the nation and its leaders. And Sunday, the church. Okay? Now that's for us, but you come up with your own one. So it was interesting because during the time of the 10 days we had of prayer and fasting, we had different themes. But in addition to those themes, I still needed to be doing my default themes. All right? Um, Very powerful. And then finally, pray with different kinds of prayer. Pray with different kinds of prayer. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You see, we tend to only categorize our prayers based on the topic. I'm praying for my country. I'm praying for my family, just like what I've shared with you. But in order to extend your prayer times, it's important to also categorize your prayers based on the type of prayer, right? Is it time for Thanksgiving now? And in our prayer meetings, in our church, our corporate prayer meetings, the first 20 minutes or so are spent in praise and Thanksgiving, right? Um, Are you now switching to the prayer of agreement or the prayer of faith? Right? Is it now time for the prayer of binding and loosing? Are you getting into warfare? And you see, when you do this, it actually allows you to shift gears in your prayer, doesn't it? Right? And when you don't do so, it can be like driving a five-gear vehicle, but only remaining in gear one. So ask God for wisdom with regards to the types of prayers that you can pray on different occasions and also in the same extended time of prayer. And I think Ephesians six eighteen is so powerful. Keep on praying, pray in the spirit, but with all kinds of prayer. So important. Soon I'll be preaching on some uncommon prayers that need to be prayed. All right. Some uncommon prayers that we need to pray. And as you get that into your toolkit, you just remind yourself, it becomes top of mind. Huh, is it now time for me to shift gears and pray this type of prayer? All right. 
God has given us such wonderful tools that take our prayers to their next level. I trust that you've been blessed by these last two messages where I've been talking about extending your time of prayer. I trust that you can see very clearly that when you've got quantity of time with God, quantity in terms of the duration of your prayer times with the Lord, it helps with the quality of your relationship with God. It's not about vain babbling. It's not about doing it to try to show how spiritual we are. It's about saying, Lord, I'm available to be a watchman. Lord, I'm available to stand in the gap, to build the wall. Lord, I'm available. And you know what? When you commit yourself to being that person who's available, when you consecrate yourself to carry his burdens, he gives you those burdens. He gives you those burdens and you begin to pray through them for extended periods of time. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.